Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cool Button Hockey Podcast is back on the air. Deep into season two already as the month has changed. Episode 89 overall. Before we get to the mess and chicken little, the sky is falling in Toronto. You were in Dallas, Hatcher, Ganey, Celebration. What were you doing? And Tell us a story, Craig. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I mean, obviously... You know, Bob Ganey and Darren Hatcher were the inaugural inductees into the Dallas Stars Hall of Fame. And, and it represents, you know, significant contributions uh, of the team and, and those individuals. Darren was the first cap American captain of a Stanley Cup team. And Bob, all his Stanley Cups, five of them that he won in Montreal, you know, he, he, he was he was the guy. He was the architect. He, 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 and he wasn't afraid of the heavy lifting either in Dallas to get them their their first and their only Stanley Cup to date. It, it, you, you know, when you go back and you connect with people so important to you and that were so significant and in a major achievement, it's always fun. And Rick Wilson and Doug Jarvis and Les Jackson and Ralph Strangis, who was our play-by-play guy. So many people that you just, you realize Doug Armstrong, who, you know, made the uh, nomination speech, uh, the induction speech for Bob. I mean, just, just wonderful to just connect with everybody. What I thought was really impressive, Steve, was uh, the current Dallas Stars team were all at the gala event on Sunday night. Oh. Every one of them. Management, coaches, and the players. And, you know, it, it's 23 years since the Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup. These players are now focused in on having their own achievements. And, you know, for them to, you know, be there and, uh, you know, have to hear about something that a lot of them, some of them weren't even born. Some of them weren't even born. Like, Wyatt Johnson wasn't even born. Ty Delandria, like, they weren't around at this time. So the respect that they showed to Bob and Darren and to others was really quite impressive. And they want to achieve their own uh, goals, their own really significant achievements. So, you know, hopefully that day comes for them and they can have the same type of uh, background over time where they can uh, feel that, uh, hey, our accomplishments matter. But to go back and to spend time with everybody, it's special. I mean, those those are memories that are forever. The people uh, everybody was was a big part of the accomplishment, and it, it was just a, a lovely, lovely evening. All the owners were there. Norm Green, who bought our team uh, in Minnesota, moved it to Dallas. Tom Hicks, and then now the current owner, Tom Galliardi. You know their uh, their enthusiasm uh, for everything Dallas Stars was really impressive. Uh, just a very, very nice weekend. I can hear it in your voice. So can the listeners, and I can see your face, of course, because. We're on the Zoom and, you know, congrats to you too. You know, you're part of a Stanley Cup champion. You did a lot of work uh, to help the club. I know I saw some of the papers uh, after the fact, and you know, I love that stuff. The essay about how to beat Colorado or the Detroit and, and, and you Dallas and Colorado and Detroit ran the league in the Western conference. It was a different era, different type of hockey, all that kind of stuff, but a great accomplishment. I know you're so happy to be there and enjoy it. And I'm, I'm glad that, the younger generation that we knock a lot. Like they don't want to work these younger generation. They're phoning in sick. They're calling human resources. Come on, what's going on? It's good that those players were there. I mean, not too young of a generation when Joe Pavelski's on that club and he's still producing right now at what? Eight points in nine games. But the stars are sexy. Like it's a sexy topic, right? Because of Delandria, Wyatt Johnston, who you love. You want to have fun kids? Go on YouTube and hit Wyatt Johnston, click. 
And you're going to see, you're, you're going to be entertained. And I know you liked him. We've talked about him before. The injury to Jake Ottinger, hopefully it's only a week. These, you know, sprained ankles sometimes can, can be four or five or something else. So hopefully it's not too serious. But are they honestly, honestly a dark horse contender? Like right, right now, you are there. This group, there's a lot to like. Jamie Ben, third line left winger, you know, and the kids that we're talking about. Sagan, Mason Marchman, who wouldn't want to have Mason Marchman on their team? Um, there's a buzz, is there not, about this year's team, Craig? There is. Uh, we were at the game sun, uh, Saturday afternoon versus the Rangers. And, you know, Shesterkin and Ottinger starting the game, and you think, oh, this could be a 2-1 game, right? And right away, you know, Jason Robertson scores in the games back and forth. Unfortunately, Jake uh, had to leave the game because of that injury. And Scott Wedgwood came in, and it was it was a there was a an offside challenge. Jason Robertson would have had his third goal of the game, and there was an offside challenge at 3-3. And it's that would have put uh, Dallas up at 4-3. No, offside. And then Rangers scored three straight goals to win at 6-3. I like listen, you got a top-notch goaltender in Jake in Jake Ottinger. You got a top-notch defenseman in Miro Haskinen. Jason Robertson is a top player. I mean, he he he's a star. Then you start to look at you know, Wyatt Johnson, uh, uh, he, he's going to be a star in the NHL, in my view. But the, we forget about Rupa Hintz. And, you, you know, you forget about, you don't forget about, I mean, he is a really good player. And then you start to look at the depth that they have throughout the Joe Pavelski is still performing at an elite, elite level. Sagan is skating and playing well. And, you know, they got a lot of balance. They got a lot of depth in that group. I was talking to Peter DeBoer and, you know, you know, coaches come in, sometimes at the right time for a team. And Rick Bonus did a lot of good work for the Dallas Stars, but I think Peter DeBoer coming in at this time, you know, pushes them a little bit further down the line with, with respect to their offense. So do I, do I put them in that upper uh, echelon of cup contenders? No, but they, they get some, they get some production and they can certainly sneak up in there because keep this in mind, Steve. And this is important to keep in mind. The St. Louis Blues weren't in that upper echelon of contenders in the 2018-2019 season. (laughs) And at the conclusion of that calendar year of 2018, they certainly weren't. And look at what they did. And, you know, good goaltending. Obviously, we didn't know about Bennington. We know about Ottinger. But but, but I see the Dallas Stars as, as a team trying to push their way through. And I know what it was like. We were that team trying to push our way through. We did. And I think that this team has a lot of talent in their system. There's some really top-end young talent on and, and right, currently on their team. So I think the future is really bright for the Dallas Stars. Well, this kind of ties into uh, the plan for episode 89 because on the team is a fellow by the name of Mason Marchment. We think about his dad, Brian, all the time. Tragic as we were at the draft, Craig, and, and what we heard the night before. And so many connections to my Scarborough friends who – Grew up with the Marchments and the connection to hockey. It's a small community, as you know. You just talked about it going to Dallas and everything you've done in your hockey career. But I look at him and I look at, you know, his OHL time. Then he goes to the Marlies. He gets some ECHL time. One of what, like 500 plus players who played in the ECHL and then played in the NHL. There are neat stories like our friend Martin Buron. When he went down there, he wasn't too happy. Um, so he said to himself, I better get out of here as quick as I can. Mason Marchment was Marley's property. Mason Marchment brings things to the table that others don't. Now, as a manager, we all make mistakes. Flint Sather said once, you just got to get it more right than you get it wrong. 
But Mason Marchment, as a Marley, went to the Florida Organization for Dennis Malgan. Now, why does that matter now? And why does that come up? Well, as years go by and teams who are good should win or expected to win, then don't, then there's pressure. I don't have to tell you, you heard the pressure in Dallas as you return to Calgary and as where we are right now. The number one story in the NHL right now is the mess that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. A, is the sky falling? B, do you say relax, don't panic? Or C, there were issues going into the year. Why are people surprised? Where are you on the ABC train, Mr. Button? I'm on the C train. And you know what? Like, you know, you, you should never panic. I mean, good, good, good you know, may not always be the way you want it. It may be disappointing, but you, when you start into panic mode, you, you're going to make, you, you're going to make more bad moves than good moves because you're not. And and I think that, you know, to, to, to stay level-headed is, is always an important quality. You know, when I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, we look back to last season and you look at being up three, two in the series versus Tampa Bay. You look at the overtime game in game six and was there opportunity for them to win? Certainly there was, was there opportunity for them to win in game seven? Braden point goes down and you know, this high scoring team couldn't score. They couldn't score at the most important times overtime of game six and in game seven. And then we see what happens in the off season. You know, obviously Jack Campbell leaves, you know, uh, Ilya Mikheyev leaves, Labushkin, they can't, because they're right up against the cap. Is that all their fault? No, because the cap didn't go up, and you know, because of the pandemic. But that being said, why should anybody be surprised? Their team isn't as strong as it was last year. And it wasn't as strong as the team that finished against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So now we look at a team that that, that really has said, we see ourselves as a Stanley Cup contender. Okay, you see yourself as a Stanley Cup contender. We're not interested in winning one round. We're interested in winning four rounds. They've never won a round. So, you know, it's trying to win one round. They bring in Matt Murray. like, And they did it in a tandem form. They're like, I mean, Cal Dubas knew that Matt Murray had an injury history, so he brings in Samsonov. That's a smart move. They're not as good a team as they were last year. Simply put, they're not as good a team. You know what? You 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 look at their at their group and 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 you talk about process. I also think teams have figured out. And when you don't have as much depth, teams also figure out. Oh, here's how we can play against them. Here's how we can manage our game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I don't think the Toronto Maple. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have been mediocre this year. Four four and two. I think they've been really mediocre. And to me, it's a it, it it's it's a team that isn't well constructed. Now. That's a manager's job. Find a way to get your team stronger in critical areas. That, to me, is what Kyle Dubas has to focus in on. So not well-constructed from top to bottom or not well-constructed bottom six in the defense? Because it is interesting, with Ottinger Hurts, the Stars sign Matthew Murray. Well, why does that matter? Well, he's got the same name as Matt Murray, but it's Matthew Murray. The Stars will be one of three teams this year to use three goalies because they've got an injury to Jake Ottinger. The other two teams are Chicago, Peter Mrazek, Toronto, Matt Murray. Who would have thought Matt Murray and Peter Mrazek would be hurt? Have they ever been hurt before, Craig? Yes. Do they get hurt? Yes. Mike Johnson said it's a skill to stay healthy. And some people just don't have that skill. That's the manager. Now, he might have saved himself by getting Ilya Samsonov. 
Jake Muzzin has some history issues. He's out of the lineup. They kept Justin Hall, who is, when he comes on the air, he's a great guy. He's open and he's honest. To say Justin Hall is struggling would be a compliment. To say he's struggling would be a compliment. The Leafs puck management? Why at 3-1 do they try to always score the fourth goal? Isn't that on the coach? Isn't there times to, hmm, you're 99 Dallas Stars. Could they shut down a hockey game, albeit in a different era? Sometimes this team, I say, Craig, time, score, situation. These are things we talk about with the minor Adams, with the Peewees, about game management. This team, they couldn't finish out Boston. They couldn't finish out Tampa when it really mattered. I don't think this is a 12-game sample size. It's got to go back to a points when it mattered the most last year. So you talk about managing. Do you believe this team is mismanaged or structured from the very top? Or do you think key areas of a third, fourth defenseman, Ben Sherratt, uh, Labushkin, or something else could have saved them? Or do you think it's Apollo 13? Like, how good or bad, honestly, is it from a, um, a managerial point of view? Well, so you just talked about it, Steve, and I talked about it. I'm, I'm not looking at this team as a, a, as a team that's incapable of making the playoffs. I'm not looking at a team that's incapable of scoring goals. Listen, you have the Hart Trophy winner in Austin Matthews. You have a two-time first-team all-star right wing, Mitch Marner. They don't lack talent in their top group. When I say they're not a well-constructed team, it goes to the blue line. It goes right to the blue line, okay? And that blue line isn't good enough to contend with the best teams for a Stanley Cup. And then you start to look at after their what, what I call their top five players. And, and I'm not going to put Nick their top five forwards. I'm not going to put Nick Robertson in there just as yet. I think Kerfoot comes in and he's such a great swing guy. And so let's say they got six. Well, Steve, after that, what do they got? What do they got? You know what? Like, and I'm not going to sit here and 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 could the, the players are going to try their best. They're going to compete. And you know, you take whatever defenseman and, and you say, Hey, listen, you know what? Here's what they're capable of. Okay. So what kind of matchups can we put them in where we can take advantage of their skills and not overwhelm them? So when your team isn't well-constructed, that means that the coach is forced to put players in situations that overwhelm them. That is not on the coach, Mr. Coolius. That is on management. The manager constructs the team. It's not a well-constructed team. It's a team that's capable of being good. I don't think it's a team capable of winning the Stanley Cup. And as currently constructed, I don't worry about Matthews or Marner or Nylander or Tavares. I don't worry about those guys. I don't worry about Morgan Riley. After that, I think there's lots to worry about. And when you put players continuously in the spots, where they're faced against other teams, better players, and those better players can get the upper hand on them, that's where you have problems. That's where you're not well-constructed. That's where the least find themselves. They don't have a problem with talent or skill or in that area. And I've said this all the way through, Steve. I'm evaluating this team. The Detroit Red Wings, when they were pushing to win, they took a game at 3-1 and they said, we don't care if it's 4-1, but it ain't going to get to 3-2. <laughs> let alone end up on the wrong side of it. How you take control of a game. I, I, I don't think they have the players to do that because I think they're vulnerable in too many spots. So until that gets fixed, you can change the coach. You can do a lot of different things. You can change the system. Yeah, you can change a lot of things. And you know why? You know why they create those turnovers? Because they're stubborn. Because they don't understand that always puck possession isn't the best 
method to the best outcome. Bingo. Bingo, bingo, bingo. bingo. You, they bingo. don't realize that if you all always throw fastballs, then the time you change up to a change up or curve, you have someone off balance. They refuse at times to do what is the safer and right play, flipping out of the zone, the old flip. I'm seeing the best teams flip, then getting it deep, getting off. They refuse their their plan to score the fourth goal against Anaheim and refusal, refusal to shut the game down is one of the reasons that they lost that game. And that is a philosophical manager to coach ideology. Like that's where the coach, so there's a lot of blame to go around on the hot seat situation. Cause there isn't an owner like Jerry Jones that you can see in Toronto. Right. And I think Forbes and those magazines just came out again. As of this second Toronto, number one value team in the NHL at 2.12 billion and I don't know who the face of the ownership is, Rogers Bell or Larry Tannenbaum right now. Is Shanahan, Dubas, and Keith equally on the hot seat right this second? And you said as constructed. So as, as constructed means Kyle make a trade? Brendan fire Kyle? Kyle fire Sheldon? You know, the Barry Trotz thing is out there. There's a lot of matzo balls in play, Craig. And you looking at it from 35,000 feet. Who's on the hot seat? Who's going to fix this mediocre club? Well, I mean, so he—he—they're not mediocre. Their their play has been mediocre. Yes, and yes. So, 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 to me, when you look at it, so who hired Cal Dubas? So then, Brendan Shanahan, as the president, has to take responsibility for his area of the operation, and. Does he have faith in Kyle Dubas? And you know what? And and as long as Kyle Dubas is the is the manager, you have to you have to fully believe that, that Brendan has faith in him. And again, you can't be panicking and just looking at that. But Brendan has to take responsibility and be accountable for his area of the organization. And that and that means, hey, Kyle, why why are we here? Why are we there? And and those answers. Uh, questions and answers are going back and forth. And, and you know, if, if Brendan feels that, hey, I'm satisfied with these answers, okay. But then Brendan, in the same breath, has to say to Kyle, okay, you've given me answers and I, and I support you. You better find fixes. Because now when we look at the area of management and I talk about roster construction, right, you have to now make the moves and can make, make our team better and stronger. And you you've heard me say this a lot, Steve. I, I don't I don't want to hear how hard it is. I don't want to hear what you, you know limitations you have. Every team has limitations. You better find solutions to our problems because we expect results. And so he's got to take responsibility for his area. And then the coach, are are you maximizing the capability of, of the individual, the abilities of the individual, and the potential of the team? And like, so you're always looking from a manager point of view. Okay, what can we do better? How can we clean up this area? Are we ready to do this? And so I, I wouldn't say it's one, two, or three. I wouldn't say it's just one or two of the three or all three. You, good teams and good organizations, everybody takes responsibility for their area. Everybody takes responsibility for their area. And to me, when I talk about construction of a team, that falls on. I think their biggest problem is as constructed. So if you want to talk about how we split the 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 responsibility percentages, I I I'd put the majority, and you call it sixty percent or seventy percent or whatever. I put it on Kyle Dubas and the management group. That's where I put it. So can you make a season altering trade 
for a club that's good, can be very good, but hasn't proven it can be great. Albeit what they did in the regular season last year, albeit the league is a lot harder this year. The Detroit's, the Buffalo's, the New Jersey's, uh, you name it, Ottawa's are better. Like you're not going in and they're not beating New Jersey 7-1-7-1-7-1 this season. And, oh, there's no easy game in the NHL. Yeah, all three games against the Devils last year for the Leafs, they were easy games last year. Like they were over at the end of the Star Spangled Banner. Devils have been, the other teams have improved. That's what happens in a capped era. Can you make a season, I don't want to say saving trade, a season altering move now when everyone's up against it? Like you're not getting... Well, he's banged up anyway, a Jacob Chikrin. Uh, the ship long sailed on having Mason Marchman in your own backyard. I think they want to call their cup together. Sheldon Keep, Kyle Dubas, and Mason Marchman. So it was a miss. Managers, it's a miss. You imagine Marchman, Tavares, Nylander is an example. It's a miss. So they must move on, and those types of players don't grow on trees. So do they have to get through November and December, Craig? Like, if you're going to make a trade now, is it dollar for dollar? Are you going to trade William Nylander now to improve the blue line? Or do they sit and wait? Because there is not a trade out there right now to, as I said, alter this mediocre course well, on a better than mediocre team. Okay, if you want to be an excuse maker, go ahead. I just well, talked are, about the Are they making excuses? Well, are they I, making I just said excuses? the team isn't well constructed. Right. So if you want to continue on along this, just understand you're going to have the same problems. Problems that go away by themselves come back by themselves. Their problem is significant. Until it gets addressed, you're going to have these problems, period. And so you want to say you got to wait? You got to wait till November? You'd like Bottom line is you've identified a problem. You better look to find solutions. Like It's real simple, Steve, on, on the salary cap. Dollar in, dollar out if you're near the cap. And it doesn't have to be one point. There's lots of different ways to improve your team. It, like everybody, oh, yeah, you trade Nylander. No, yeah, well, why does everybody just default to Nylander? Like well, everybody, it just seems that he is going to continuously be the whipping boy in, in Toronto. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Because that guy has a great contract and, he, and he's a really productive player. But it just seems that he's the one that everybody feels comfortable criticizing trade William Nylander go ahead you can do it if it improves your team I've always said this I would trade any player on my team if it can put me in a better position to compete for our goals that we want to compete for I do not exclude any player there's parameters no trade moves salary bottom line is if you've identified your problem and you're going well we'll wait or it's hard or whatever go ahead then sit there and wallow and wallow, and wallow, and wallow, and wallow. You're not getting any pity from me. That's all I can tell you is that. And at the end of the day, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not a well-constructed team. So what I would say is, you know what? You better get to fixing your problems. Because if the pipe's leaking, okay, and you just hope because it stops raining or that you don't run the water in your place that, you know, the pipe won't leak, guess what? Once you start running water through those pipes again, you're going to get leaks. That's what the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Before we hit our sports interaction, pause. Where does Barry Trotz fit into all of this? He's the best coach sitting out there for a team that wants to go into another level. You know what? But Barry Trotz, let's just say he comes to Toronto or would consider Toronto. They still have the same problem. How's he going to fix that? By coming in and coaching? 
They got a player personnel problem. It's not that guys can't be in a better spots. They got gaps. And when you got gaps, you're going to have problems. If they miss the playoffs, I think it's a fait accompli what happens next. If they get in and lose in the first round, is that time to change the administration? That's, uh, what I'm going to say is this. It's time for change. Where, where, where the change begins and where the change ends, I can't say. But it, it would be significant change. Time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. Maybe Craig Button's going to open up his own sports book. He's at it again. Craig, what do you got? Well, you know what I really like? I like New Jersey Devils at the Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday night. The New Jersey Devils, you know, were playing so well. They were being let down in some areas of the game, specifically goaltending. But I, I think they're starting to hum along here. And I think going into Vancouver on a, on a team that not winless anymore, a couple real solid wins, but uh, I'm going with New Jersey on, on the road. Wednesday night, isn't it interesting on a Wednesday night? You have Philadelphia coming into Toronto. Philadelphia coming into Toronto. John Tortorella <laughs> and the Toronto Maple Leafs are, like, right now, their confidence level has to be so low. I don't believe what Mitch Marner says. There's no way your confidence can be high when you're playing like that. So I'm going with the Flyers on the road in Toronto on a back-to-back. -back. You know why I'm calling it? I'm calling it the Torts game. He's got them loaded for bear. And you want to talk about loaded for bear? Look at the sports in action. You know, the the odd boost. The odd boost. Pay attention to it. It can pay big. I'm taking the Leafs at home. The over, they'll score five. Ottawa upsets Vegas on November the 3rd. And the Penguins get back on track November 1st. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. Log on to SIA.com forward slash cool button to sign up. And deposit today. Canada Sportsbook is Sports Interaction 19 plus. Please gamble responsibly. So we talked earlier about up and coming clubs. The Devils, Sabres, Ottawa. You can see what they're doing as far as the Red Wings are concerned. We talked about Dallas as a dark horse contender. Let's look at, say, New Jersey as an example. And the excitement and the analytics early. Does a Craig Button buy into that? And should those fans who wanted Lindy fired after two games, should they write a public apology and put a stamp on it and send it to the Devils? There's there's excitement. Some of it's real. Some of it's false. Some of it's a mirage. I'm not buying Philadelphia. I'm not I'm not buying all these teams to make the playoffs. All of a sudden, all these teams are making the playoffs this year. But I could see this: the Devils could take if they get the goaltending the capital spot in the Metro. I could see that. But as I look at that defense, their defense and their goaltending, you know, I'm still, I'm not buying it just yet, Mr. Button. Are you? Here's the beautiful thing about fans. Their passion is, is so important to the game. They're, they're, it, it, it drives things. And, and that passion is, is, is great. It's great when they, when you win, it's great when you lose, you know, it's different. Right. Like, you know, and everything. I, I, I don't want I don't want fans to be dispassionate. I want them to be angry when your team lose. I want them to, you know, you know, get out there and say, hey, what about this? And, and chat and talk about could we do this? Could we do that? 
they're not the ones making the decisions. What's the line that Harry Neal said? You know, you you know, if you if you start listening to the fans, it won't be long until you are a fan, right? And 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 that and that's not to be uh, uh, demeaning to any fans. The bottom line is, it's not about listening. I I just talked about Toronto. You know, everybody has to have an understanding of what their area of responsibility is and be accountable for it. So Lindy's got things going in a really good way for the New Jersey Devils. The goaltending wasn't good enough, Steve. The goaltending, they were doing so many good things in the game. The goaltending wasn't good enough. Well, now you get your goaltending settled. You get it stable. I just talked about the St. Louis Blues. In 2018-2019, you know, halfway through the season, the goaltending was, was just a disaster. Injuries and uh, sub-performance. And oh, Jordan Bennington comes in, and boy, not only did it get the team better, they went all the way to the Stanley Cup. So, you know, that's where I find the New Jersey Devils. I, I like the way they play. I like their young players. I think they have enough there. And so when the fans are, I don't think the fans ever have to issue an apology. I don't think they do. You know, we need your passion. We need the fans' passion. We need them to be angry. We need them to be excited. That's all part of being a fan. And bottom line is, if we lose that, I saw it, Steve. I lived it. Minnesota, state of hockey. There was no NHL hockey in Minnesota for seven seasons. Seven seasons. It's not that it wasn't a hockey state, but I saw what dispassion looks like. It led to our team leaving Minnesota to go to Dallas. And sadly. it wasn't because, yeah, sadly. But it wasn't because there wasn't interest in hockey. It wasn't because people didn't. But it, it, they had reached a point because of the organization and a lot, a lot of things that unfolded where they just weren't interested anymore. I, I, I want interest, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. Yeah. And I get that. And I'm saying we as a society don't do a good job of admitting fault or wrongness. I, I would love it if after that seven, one romping against Columbus, they did an old clap, clap, we love Lindy, or we are sorry. <laughs> and maybe it's because of my love of Lindy. I think it's just funny. Um, and it's funny how this was at 0-2 and, and the expectations, how they were in New Jersey. And Jesper Bratt, nine-game point streak and everything else. And Nico Heischer at one and Jack Hughes and uh, Dawson Mercer. There's a lot to like. I don't know if the Siegenthalers and Brendan Smith will get the job done and VTech and all that, but at least in the early going, it's very interesting. That's a feel-good story. You mentioned the Blues and Bennington. I, I'd be amiss if I didn't bring up their 0-5 stretch. He gets pulled the night before we do this podcast, and the Penguins go out west and get spanked. The Avalanche have been mediocre, and we started the show about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh my, there's a lot to dissect on some pretty good teams, Craig. There's a lot to chew. That that isn't a uh, a nothing burger. That's a 32 ounce steak of futility and mediocrity by these teams. Like, um, I won't I won't lie. I'm surprised. You add up all their records. I'm surprised, Mr. Button. I'm surprised. Well, I, we mentioned being in Dallas. I was in Dallas and Doug Armstrong, the president and GM of the St. Louis Blues. So I got there Friday, and Doug, he he came in Thursday to watch the Washington game in Dallas, a, a shutout for the Stars. And, uh, you know, that's the night that the Blues lost. They were up 2-1 in Nashville before losing 6-2. And I, I didn't talk to Doug about that. Then Saturday night, they were at home against the Montreal Canadiens, and they lost 7-4. 
And then on Monday night, <laughs> they're down, they're down uh, five nothing to the Los Angeles Kings at home, losing five one. I, I I never, Doug and I never talked about a St. Louis Blues team, but I know how how competitive Doug is, and I know how passionate he is, and I know that the, the, the Thursday night game and the Saturday game didn't sit well with him. And I can't imagine how he is feeling on a Tuesday, on the first day of November, having watched his team give up, set, give up six, seven, and five. <laughs> six, seven, and five. I can tell you what. You're giving up 18 goals in three games. You're not winning games. And until they get that cleaned up, you know, and, and, and you know, they started out the year 3-0. and One thing Doug did say to me, he goes, you know, we only played three games in the first 10 days of the season. And, you know, you, we were, and now, now we're making up all these time. He goes, I don't know if it's if it hurts us or helps us. You, you like a little more time for the coaches to be ready. But for the players, maybe they feel they need more time to get in there. He goes, but, you know, that's just something that it was just a comment he made about the schedule, not about his team. Yeah, well, I watched the Kings and Blues. I watched the Blues and Habs, and uh, something's wrong. And it's funny how happy they were at three and zero. Our good friend Martin Buran predicted a drop in the standings for the Blues this year. They started three and zero. He hedged his bet. Um, when I talked to him later today, I'm going to ask him if he should have just held the course uh, and said, I don't believe in this 3-0 start at 3-5. and The Blues are reeling. They're not happy. The Penguins, uh, and there's something missing in Colorado. Now, we could argue they lost two guys, Kadri and Burkowski. They're not getting back. Nikchushkin's hurt and Landeskog. So it's kind of missing four big players from the lineup. Um, they, they actually played too good to still lose in New Jersey and the Island, but they did. And they both lost those games in regulation time, which is really neat. But I love it, Craig, because you know what? Scoring hits the October 31st Halloween night at 6.31 per game. We got those bad teams that are good. Now the good teams that are better. You know what? A guy taught me, what was his name? What was his name? Oh, it was you about expecting the unexpected, but then realizing what you honestly have, right? Because it's our thesis today. If you honestly think that you're good, do the things that you can do to continually, you know, move the process forward. If you've overanalyzed or underanalyzed, then it's time for action. What these managers do or don't do, I'll find very fascinating now, whether it's stay the course, we're good, we got some injury issues and we're not playing well, or they need me now. And we can talk about Dean Lombardi or a Bob Gainey or a Bill Torrey, um, a Cliff Fletcher that said, this guy now can change things, whether it's going to win a cup or, or whatever, whether it's bringing up Bennington. That's why I find the job as a manager, general manager in the NHL, so fascinating, my friend. Well, you know, it's fascinating. You go back and you look at our teams in Dallas and we traded for Hall of Famer Joe Newendike and traded for Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Sergey Zuboff. And you assign Ed Belfour, Hall of Famer, and bring in Brett Hall, Hall of Famer, and Guy Carboneau, who played a real significant role, Hall of Famer, right? Like, it's easy to, I shouldn't say easy, but you look at those guys and they were significant, right? And you can say, geez, those were really good moves. And yeah, of course they were. But but I'll, I'll take you back to the trade deadline of 1998. And we traded for Brian Scrudland and Mike Keane for the New York Rangers. Both of them had signed as free agents the previous summer in New York. It just wasn't working out for them there. And, you know, we we, we sensed that and everything. But we had lots of competitiveness and lots of, uh, of, of skill on our team. And, and Bob really felt, and, and I, used, I used this term. He didn't use this term, Bob Ganey, that is. 
they were rusty nails. They were rusty nails that you didn't want to get near because if you, if you got anywhere near them, the, the, you know, they would, uh, they, they would puncture your spirit <laughs> and then you would need a tetanus shot. That's how they played. They had a combativeness to it. So what they did was add to it to, to even more significant combativeness to our team. And so like, yeah, you look at what going back to Toronto. Yeah. You can look and say, Oh yeah. Can you go get a number two defenseman? Well, good luck. Doesn't mean you can't improve your team and there's different ways to make your team stronger. I go back to 98. Brian Scrooge and Mike Keane were instrumental players for our team uh, in Dallas moving forward that year and into subsequent seasons, the Stanley Cup year for certain. So you better understand what your team may need at any point in time. And everybody wants a wants a top player or wants to, you know, trade a weaker player for a better player. It doesn't happen. But it doesn't remove you from the responsibility to do what you need to do to strengthen your team at any moment in time. Yep. And if you don't do it or if uh, your team free falls or if you're already at the bottom and win the lottery, uh, Connor Bedard with a five-point game the other night. I was looking at his 15, 16, and 17-year-old numbers in the WHL, and they are eye-popping, Jerry. Eye-popping numbers, which is unbelievable. And the other Connor, the real Connor, who's already one of the best five players I've ever seen ever, and there are people out there that say that he might be considering the generation that we're in the best player of all time already, but we just don't want to say it because... Bobby was 60, 50 years ago, and Wayne, the game's changed. The, the sprinter who won the gold in 1940, I'm sure there's kids in high school that are running that time now. It's just technology and and, and health and training and all that other kind of stuff. McDavid at 9, 9, 18 at press time. I hope he gets 50. I want him to get 50. And if scoring is up a little bit, I hope he gets to close to 140-plus points because I love it. And uh, the goal the other night wasn't great on, on Jacob Markstrom because I think the Oilers for Markstrom are kryptonite. Dan Vladar will start the next game at 10 and Calgary play. December uh, 27th. I will go. tell you this, though. Great players. Connor McDavid recognized there was an opportunity there because of the way the puck came around the backboards and, and he couldn't get back to that. You think about how quickly he got that puck off his stick. And directed towards the net. That was a that, that's a great play. I I don't know if there's any any other players that can make that play like McDavid made. What I will say is this. You know we can always look at errors, okay? And we always look. And I think that you better not sell Sidney Crosby, but Sidney Crosby right now sits number five on my all time five top players in NHL history. Do I think McDavid's in the top ten? I think that he's going to be at some point in time. I think it would be hard to put him in there right now, but I think he will be a but he, he's got some work to do to unseat Sydney at five, in my view. We're talking about two great players. But let me just say this about Connor McDavid. And I, 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 I'm putting a stake in the ground. He's the best player in the league. He's the most valuable player to his team in the league. And to me, there might be other players that win the Hart Trophy. Connor McDavid, we better not start taking him for granted. Because his level of greatness is something that when you talk about Orr and you talk about Gretzky and Lemieux, Howe, Sydney, don't get accustomed to seeing it because it's rare. And that's why I said on the show yesterday, tell me who is a better, call it athlete in the world, or who is better at their sport than Connor McDavid is now. The American sports? Come on. In their sports, everyone always starts with the ball, right? 
It's easier to be a quarterback. Imagine McDavid started every play with the puck, as an example. The European sports, you know, real football, the only real sport in the world. It, we'll see if there's a footballer at the World Cup as good as this. I'm going to say no. And you know what? Just like Wayne Gretzky, when Dick Beddows didn't give him any love, he would be the fourth-line center on the 47 Leafs. Canada didn't give Rush any love till the Americans discovered him. Finally, we gave Wayne love. People didn't give Wayne love until the 82 season. You know what? Let's give Connor the love he deserved. It's okay to say that a Canadian right now playing in that sport of what they call ice hockey around the world is the greatest player in their particular sport. And you know what Mike McKenna's answer was? You know, Michael Schumacher in his prime. I'm not putting McDavid up against an F1 car, although one-on-one, I think McDavid is faster, Craig. That's my (laughs) final thought. (laughs) Zoom, zoom, vroom, vroom, and we're out of episode 89. What I didn't get a chance to do is say, Alexander McGillney to me belongs in the Hall of Fame. Until Thursday, we'll see you. We had some tricks. A little bit of treats here on the episode 89. 90. 90 comes back on Thursday. Sorry for the delay on Monday. We had some other things we had to take care of. So enjoy us on Tuesday. Ciao.